Hello, listeners, and welcome to Neighbor Science, uh, the only podcast about political economy and anime. What are we doing today? Uh, I'm Peter DeBeer. Well, I'm, I'm introducing myself. Jeez, Ryan. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> can you introduce uh, others and not be so selfish, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Uh, the other guy that just said some stuff is Ryan. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys might know him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and this week we're trying something uh, a little new for our podcast. Uh, we've decided to finally explain to everyone out there what is meant by the term neighbor science. And to help us do it, uh, we have convened a neighborhood block party. Uh, we have two guests with us today. The first is um, Chloe, uh, who describes themselves as an anarchist, political economy student, professional memer, anti-work theorist, and part-time goth. Hi, Chloe. Hello, that's me. Yes. Yep. Uh, and, second, <laughs> and second, we have uh, the Twitter handle at Truebot, um, also known as God, professor of actually knowing what epistemology is, but also not a nerd. Hi, Tre. True, true, Truebot. I'm just going to call you True. Hi. You know, I have yet to see proof that you're not a nerd. Yeah, we require proof that you're not a nerd. I had a card yes. that showed it, yeah, but I'm... I lost it in one of my books. I mean, on the street. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that sounds like nerd shit to me. <laughs> not not Losing helping your book. case there, true. <laughs> not helping your case there at all. <laughs> so you dropped it off a yacht or something okay. cool like that? Yeah, no, like my Maserati off my yacht. Uh, it's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I lost I lost it when I was giving some nerd a swirly. Uh, accidentally flushed it down the toilet. Okay, so we have uh, True the Jock, apparently. Yeah, we're all jocks on here. This is a jocks-only podcast. Yeah, I'm a joth. I'm a joth. Jock goth. We uh, beat up tankies at football practice. Yeah, exactly. For anyone listening out there, when we say beat up tankies... Uh, what we really mean is that that um, we we exist, and, and this is this is so painful for tankies that they they cry foul all so, day on Twitter, all day every day. Literally. Also, we <laughs> shove them in lockers at school. <laughs> well, that's not beating I'm not them a up. Nerd, that's, I don't go that, to that's... school. Uh, yeah, neither do me or Peter. I'm not because we're jocks, like we said. Uh, so. Let's let's get in on an actual topic instead of derailing ourselves the whole time, like the last episode that we did. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're starting with uh, post scarcity anarchism because that's kind of like uh, you know where the whole neighbor science idea is kind of rooted. Um, you know, post scarcity anarchism, social ecology, and libertarian municipalism are like the the three ideologies that are wrapped up in in the blanket term of neighbor science. Um, so, uh, who wants to start off talking about post-scarcity anarchism and how uh, we should make everything run by gay robots? <laughs> oh, I see. We have no takers. You know, they've been begging us to get on the show, and now they're just sitting there with a I don't know anything tea. about anarchism or scarcity or posts. <laughs> I, <could laughs> I know a lot about posts, but particularly like shit posts but uh not so much about anything else uh now i could probably right, say the idea is like that we would have 
we would have no one in charge of making sure that there's a scarcity of posts. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that sums it up. Uh, I I have the book Post Scarcity Anarchism like sitting next to me, uh, so I could probably say something about it. What what percentage of you have you read of it? <laughs> this oh, is what I'm okay. going. One hundred percent. It's one of the f- so it's, it's one of the few books I've read all the way through. There we go. I've probably read like five percent of it. <laughs> so. I have <laughs> no. Well, I have a I have a tendency I have a tendency to get halfway through a book and then find another book that I find interesting and just start reading that yeah. book. I could pull some quotes out of out of the post scarcity anarchism book if you want. Well, th- no, I think that up. would be nice. Um, yeah, just read the whole thing if you will. Before... <laughs> yeah, the, we'll record an audio book. I mean, right? I guess we could just sort of start with like what the basic idea of it is. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to suggest. Um, let's, let's just start with a basic description of what is meant by post-scarcity anarchism. Well, I guess the first basic of it that I that I always like to say to people, at least, is uh, like one of the premises of the book, or not premises, I guess, points of the book, post-scarcity anarchism, is uh, Marxists are wrong by their own theory. Um, <laughs> Could you unwrap that a little bit? Um, so yeah, so one of the one of the points that uh, Murray Bookchin makes throughout the book um, is that, uh, and and he's writing this in the '60s, um, that uh, at that at that point they are in the United States and other uh, so-called post-industrial societies. Um, they had reached a level of uh, technological development uh, that made uh, basically uh, full communism uh, uh, possible then and there um, if it weren't for the social institutions that prevented it. And so uh, the Marxists strive to establish the, uh, the socialist state uh, that's going to, you know, uh, like foster technological pro- uh, uh, progress and uh, make full communism possible. Um, is unnecessary and actually uh, regressive in that regard. Um, and there's there's a lot more to that, but that's like kind of the summary there. One of the um, like most uh, terse summaries that I've ever heard is from a uh, friend of the show, Phil, <laughs> uh, who uh, put it as it, it should be more thought of more like uh, post artificial scarcity. So like. All the scarcity. Yeah. I, I th- what's the quote like? Uh, in the past, scarcity had to be endured, but today it has to be enforced, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on. I put a I put a quote in that in that word document. Let's see if I still have it up. Well, I didn't read the uh, word document or anything by Bookchin, which brings me to a point of is <laughs> is, is post scarcity anarchism an exclusively Bookchinite idea? I don't think so. I mean, it's by Bookchin, <laughs> so right. A, but like, if that's how you consider there's it, there's a yeah. book called Post Scarcity. Yeah. If you consider, yeah, they, if you consider it in terms are, of the book title, yeah. But it, Peter, are you saying something? I can hardly hear you. <laughs> yeah, I stopped talking because I don't want to talk over anyone. Oh, you're in no danger of that, dude. <laughs> Your audio is the quietest. <laughs> <Are you saying? laughs> Are you okay. saying anything important? <laughs> I'm always saying important things. This is what you people don't understand. Um, 
Okay, uh, what I was going to say is the the general idea of post-scarcity anarchism um, isn't exclusive to Bookchin, but the, the, the specifics as laid out by Bookchin um, haven't really been repeated by anyone else prior to him. There have been theorists that have uh, derived their works um, from his since he wrote Post-Scarcity Anarchism, but um, it, uh, like it would be uh, uh, creating a cult of personality to say that this is this is all just Bookchin. Um, he, he doesn't. He he is not an island. Right. Well, because the, the idea of post scarcity in itself is actually one of the things that you know initially attracted me to anarchism in my uh, formative youth. What with the whole, you know, the way communism is often perceived as this like forced industrialization and having to labor to produce the required things to be distributed by the state, but post-scarcity is this idea that we're pretty much already there if someone's going to exploit the system let them exploit it because there is no scarcity that would you know necessitate their exploitation screwing over other people so much as they're just an asshole that likes to get more bread than everyone else so if they ask for a thousand loaves a week they're just they just look like a dick instead of you know a thousand people starving instead of it yeah, and in a sense, I think like it's kind of impossible to have anarchism without post scarcity because if you have any scarcity, then there's there's always some leverage that someone can exploit to wield power over people. So like anarchism would either be unstable or just flat out impossible. There's a necessity of production. Ryan, I've been trying to talk, and you're you you're not allowed to talk. Y'all not hear me? Actually, <laughs> fuck. I've been trying to talk in Ryan's pauses, but like, because I thought he was done like twice. But anyway, I was going to say you can't have uh, post scarcity without anarchism. True. Yeah, that too. It, it, it's an Ouroboros, okay, is so. what it is. You know, it's a closed <laughs> loop. It's an it's an O. it's actually a very important idea because it it basically says if if we can't have post-scarcity without anarchism we can't have anarchism without post-scarcity it brings up the issue of praxis in that if we can't have one without the other and we currently have neither how are we ever to get to both right Obviously, the answer is a um, bloody, nightmarish revolution where we kill millions of people um, in the name of of our ideology, and then surely at the end of that uh, will emerge a uh, glowing utopia of uh, post-scarcity and anarchism together. I love reinterpretations of Christian eschatology. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) Okay, so I got into... I got into post-scarcity anarchism from a slightly different route. Um, I eventually stumbled onto uh, Bookchin's work. Um, but before all of that, I, uh, I'm very embarrassed to admit that I was once... Zeitgeist movement, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, of Zeitgeist and uh, RBE, <laughs> Venus Project, and all of that stuff. Um, but even before that, uh, I, I took great pleasure in reading um, economics textbooks. 
um, nerd. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a laugh, laugh. So I I approached <laughs> the the notion of post scarcity from an economic standpoint, and uh, I spent a lot of my early years as a post scarcity anarchist talking to people about how the notion of scarcity within the field of economics um, doesn't it's refer bullshit. to uh, physical rarity. Um, it doesn't refer to anything really other than a disparity between supply and demand. And yeah. for me, coming from that approach, it was always a case of post-scarcity, meaning a, 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 a point at which you've transcended the notions of supply and demand, that you've uh, you've moved past that uh, these these archaic limiting uh, pseudo laws. Um, and yeah, yeah most the, people the uh, system. most people who are not like down with it um, like to portray the idea of post scarcity as like there's just so much stuff that literally like anyone can have their any whim fulfilled at any time at no cost and of course part of the reason they do that is to make it seem ridiculous so that they can just like swat it down um I used to think it was just because people didn't understand, but I think more and more, like, even if you confront people with the idea, like, no, that's not what we're saying at all. Like, there's a, a large number of people who are just like, oh, well, yes, you are actually, like, <laughs> or it's impossible for that to work. Like, they'll just figure out any way to kind of say that, uh, yeah, your utopia is never going to happen sort of thing. I mean, like, so I have two things to say. The first is that, I mean, not that people shouldn't, get a like lose the idea of supply and demand because it's a bad idea and they should lose <laughs> that um but you don't even have to do that to like get to conceptualize post-scarcity it's like the the whole notion of scarcity like in from the economic standpoint is coming from this like premise that human want is infinite right which is ridiculous like like the like there's just no reason to and no one's that. no one's ever like tested that um, assumption <laughs> yeah, I'd, 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 like, I'd, I'm so, going to be dead honest and say that I wish some economists would try and test it, and, and they should start with themselves, <laughs> because that will literally take them their entire lives to try and list everything that they might ever want, um, <laughs> because they, of course, need to prove that it's uh, uh, limitless, uh, and so we'll never have to deal with them again. Um, what we need but maybe that's just wishful thinking we need axioms of demand <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I, something tells me by the end no, of today's need, episode need, i'm going to hate the word axiom just hate it already we need better axioms <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hate it from the start no, um, one, of, one of the thing about axioms one of the thing about um post scarcity uh that i was that i was just thinking is like um you know, the capitalist power theory is, is much more popular among bookchin type people, post-scarcity anarchists and communalists and, you know, whatever other thing people want to call themselves. Um, and I, I think part of the reason for that is that, like, um, Wait, the right, notion right, that things are right. scarce for most people is, like, ra rationalized by the idea that, like, um, that, you know, social systems are systems of production and they... Um, they work the way they do because they don't produce enough stuff, but, um, you know, capitalist power 
kind of rejects that and says, no, it's all control over distribution. And it doesn't matter how much stuff we're actually producing and whether or not there's enough supply for the amount of demand because the system is fundamentally about controlling the distribution of resources and whatever they need in order to make that happen, like damn the, you know, amount, the volume of stuff that we're actually producing, which by the way is like choking the planet right now. So Ryan, Ryan, I have, I have two things to say. The first is, did you just pronounce it communalists? Yeah. It's communalists. Ryan is wrong (laughs) once again. You cut out like right right when you said the word, so I didn't hear it. So I'm just going to assume that it's, it's, Communalists. Because that's what I heard. It's communalists. <laughs> communalists. I, I, I don't care. Um, but anyway, anyway. I don't care how to pronounce things. <laughs> Jesus mean, Christ, I, man. What was the second it's, thing? It's been a while. It's, <laughs> it's been a while since I've corrected your pronunciation on this. You know, I, I think it's time to bring back that old thing. Um, but uh, no, my second thing is that uh, one of my one of my friends asked me um, the other or like a couple weeks ago. Um, cause, uh, we're like hanging out and, uh, like, uh, Sean from seriously wrong was with us. And he said that, uh, capitalist power sounds like it makes sense. Um, and so one of my friends is like, why does, why does all the, why do all the bookchin people like capitalist power? And, uh, and like my, my, like, I didn't think about it, I guess, until then, until, until she asked like why that was, but I kind of like realized that. Um, that uh, one of the things that Murray Bookchin repeatedly uh, says is like a reason for him breaking with uh, Marxism and going towards anarchism was that he he realized that uh, the Marxist notion of exploitation um, was less so the real issue um, than. Uh, and what was more important was uh, social domination, um, which allowed for exploitation to, in the first place, but also it covered a broader range of things as well um, that weren't necessarily based on economic exploitation. Um, and he and he spent the rest of his life philosophizing on this, but he never developed any like models of empirically analyzing this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of exactly what capitalist power does. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's basically kinda, the next step in the evolution of um, the ideas of Bookchin. Yeah, no, I kind of feel like it, it, like capitalist power, like does the job of like severing the final like uh, cords, left tether, between, <laughs> like marks chain, yeah, severing the tethers between. <laughs> between Marxism and uh, and uh, this particular brand of anarchism, I think that's a. It's definitely the point of why I never had like a, a Marxist phase. So I never approached any of like the ideas of exploitation from an economic standpoint. To me, it was always like you know, it, it's exploitation. It's some sort of hierarchy leading to an oppressor and the oppressed, and it was never like a well, this is only a thing that happens in economy, let's alter the economy. It was, this is like a sociological phenomenon, why does it happen in economy as well, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so finally, uh, we are no longer uh, Euro-cucked in our ideology. (laughs) We're fully American. (laughs) 
Europe isn't even real, and you cannot prove otherwise without declaring an axiom of reality. So, you think Europeans have good ideas? Well, why don't you take a look at the EU, buddy? It's not doing so well right now. <laughs> the EU stands for Euclid, and the EU does not follow Euclidean geometry. <laughs> Neither does yeah. you, think, you think Europe? You think Europe is so full of great ideas? Um, well, I'll tell you what was Europe's idea. America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically everything the U.S. does is their fault as well. It's your, It's mostly France's yeah. fault. <laughs> they shouldn't have helped us <laughs> during the, the, the revolution. <laughs> yeah. Dumb no, answer. fuck the French. <laughs> um, so, uh, R.I.P. Lil Peep? Rip Lil Peep. Rip Lil Peep. <laughs> Rip Lil Peep. Uh, so... <laughs> Shall we there's talk no, about the thing no that no one understands? I probably understand it because I am um, God. What are we talking about? Libertarian municipalism. I, I don't understand. <laughs> I have no idea what that fucking shit. word means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of know what it means. I had, I had to sort of explain it to someone last night, so I could probably say something. I think, I think what it means, no, I'm, um, I'm just going to take a stab at this. Um, I think what it means is, uh, you know, you go into the city... Uh, where all the liberals live, and then you turn it into uh, right. you know a real genuine free market by uh, getting rid of taxes, um, smoking weed, and that kind of stuff. You, am I in the ballpark? Well, I think you mean the free. I think you mean the free market first <laughs> of all, but uh, we can get on that later. But it, it sounds like you're sort of describing a sort of prefigurative bullshit here. <laughs> I've always understood libertarian municipalism to mean um, uh, uh, when when cowboys take over an entire town and, and turn it <laughs> well, into. Okay. A they just like to think that they're cowboys. They're actually just like suburban dads. <laughs> I just wait, I just want to get back to Ryan's points about getting rid of taxes and smoking weed because that actually sounds kind of cool. Essentially, it's uh... well, it is cool. And that's the only reason why libertarianism still exists. Uh, if 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 everything else that that libertarians espouse was to be taken at full value, um, and, and the weed and the anti-tax stance um, was was left out of it, they literally wouldn't have a libertarian party. They wouldn't be there wouldn't be any support. Because ninety nine percent of it is basically republicanism. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, uh, that's why so many of them, I think, are fascists now. Where, like, as soon as there is like even the vaguest threat to, you know, the the outcome that they wanted, they instantly just went full Hans Hermann, however the fuck you pronounce his last name, Hopi, Hop Hopi. Um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hoppa. H- Hans Hans Herman Hoppa. Yeah, there you go. Parappa the Hoppa. Yeah, he sucks a lot. Like, I feel like I could say <laughs> yeah, something I, about the uh like the transition of the libertarian party towards like fascist entryism. But like it'd all be like secondary stuff because my my brother was actually like in the libertarian party when that happened. And it it's a very interesting thing to look into. I just can't, you know, off the top of my head, you know. So was that a conscious effort? Like, oh, in... were there, like, fascists that were 
specifically going and trying to recruit libertarians? I, I think it was more of like the fact that libertarianism wasn't as willing as other groups to call out things like racism and other bigotries. It was like... Oh, well, I can't imagine why that would be. It, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because, you know, after like 2008 and whatnot, libertarianism was pretty hype with, you know, all of... And then you get the NSA stuff on top of that. There's like a lot of anti-government sentiment building up. So obviously libertarianism is going to get a big boost. And with that boost comes, you know, all sorts of shit. And when nobody goes in to stop that, eventually people go, hey, if I go over here, I get to just be racist. Yeah. There's probably also an element of, like, the fact that Obama was president, like, kind of amplifying the racism a bit. Like, oh, the government's doing all this bad stuff and it's the black guy in charge that's, that's doing it. I've never heard that, but I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I I I haven't heard that specifically, but I I've definitely I definitely have seen like racism coming aimed at Obama coming from so-called libertarians. Yeah, so, like that definitely like makes sense to me. I mean, look, if there's any American libertarians listening, uh, we do want to abolish taxes, uh, and you can you know. Uh, swap stuff with your friends, like you know, like Pokemon cards. Um, but we're not going to base the entire uh, <laughs> system of society on uh, trading stuff uh, with your friends. Um, that's kind of silly. And also, uh, bosses are also bad, not just the government. So um, just join us. Um, forget all those things that make your ideology uniquely yours, because uh, that's not going to happen under. <laughs> under our regime but uh you know we're gonna get rid of taxes and you can do drugs so just just stop being yeah, no. stop being libertarian and be libertarian instead well okay that actually brings up this very interesting idea in you know umbrella leftism if it is uh this sort of idea of unabashed like a big tent yeah well unabashedly hating lifestyles rather than social institutions that kind of mm. thing like here you're saying the things the libertarians want you know not paying taxes and smoking weed you could have that whereas you know marxism typically says oh there's a certain bourgeois lifestyle that needs to be abolished and you know what they don't say is the reason it needs to be abolished is many of you know the facets of that lifestyle are built on exploitation like the whole having a servant boy kind of shit like that's very clearly exploitative but what they take that to is nobody gets to have a yacht but in communism who gives a shit everyone everyone gets to you know drive around a yacht as much as they want um, and hopefully by that we mean the the cool kind with the sail and not the uh, giant floating fortress with submarines and missile launchers. Um, but yeah, everyone everyone can drive a yacht. And you know what? Uh, everyone can uh, fly a fighter plane. It's not going to have any missiles on it. But you can zoom around and like do like Top Gun shit. It'll be cool stuff. Yeah, and that's what libertarian municipalism is. <laughs> 
<laughs> How do we get on that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's well, we started, w- yeah, we started <laughs> describing libertarianism uh, because obviously people are going to confuse libertarian municipalism with libertarianism. Um, yeah, that's the idea. We're taking it back it from uh, Rothbard. Rothbard wrote a wrote a piece. Uh, I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing because it was stupid. <laughs> um, but so I don't know if the whole thing was about it or just like a couple paragraphs uh, close to the beginning. Is it a um, critique yeah. or or is he? Oh no! It was like, a, it was a critique. It, it was a critique. Oh, okay. He said that the idea of he said that the idea of post scarcity. Um, it was ridiculous in relation to post-scarcity anarchism. He's saying this. Um, he said it's ridiculous because if post-scarcity had been achieved, then prices would be zero. Right. Um, yes. Because supply and demand. Oh wow! Yeah. That would be the worst. He's <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, you'll, How you'll, dare you'll know, you'll know what, free. you'll know. Isn't and, that the yeah, thesis well, of like Paul Mason that, or whoever it is that the zero marginal cost thing? I don't, I don't know, but he, it, like yeah. his point, his point was that if 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 post scarcity was possible, only the market would, or only the market would be able to uh, <laughs> provide it because supply and demand would make prices zero or some shit. I guess. Right. And since prices since prices aren't zero, then post scarcity isn't possible. Man, that Rothbard, he's um, such a good stand up comedian. I love his shit. Right. <laughs> so wait. <laughs> To, I like the whole bow tie gimmick too. It's funny to declare axioms here, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so no, it's no, essentially no saying right that <laughs> supply and demand is a, an incentive system. So only if there is a demand higher than a supply would there be an incentive to produce, and therefore post scarcity wouldn't work because production would stop if prices were zero. Or what the fuck is the point of that? No, no, no. He's saying. He's saying that if supply if supply outweighed demand to the point that we could call it post scarcity, um, then prices would currently be zero. Right. Um, and since they're not, then we know that post scarcity isn't 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 possible or true or real or anything like that. So so it's basically the same shit as the um, uh, the economic calculation problem where. Oh, no, no, no. If you don't meet the criteria of capitalism, then you can't have your utopia. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of assuming the conclusion from the premise, which is what the calculation problem does. Have have we ever talked about that on the show? I don't think you have. Okay. It sounds like calculating, which is cool, but it sounds like economics, which is for nerds and should be banned. (laughs) Yeah, this is a jocks-only podcast. Calculator. We're talking about uh, fellow jock Larry Bookchin. Uh, oddly, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Bookchin was definitely not a jock. Of all things, he was jock, not one of them. Um, we should make yeah, a meme of that I'm jock, actually, jock Murray Bookchin. <laughs> I, I'm actually pretty sure that he was very commonly known as Murray Jockchin. <laughs> actually, you know what? I already have made a, a jock Murray Bookchin meme. It's uh, Bong from One Punch Man. He has oh, the yes. Murray Bookchin mustache yes. and huge. I love it. He's like ripped and has big Bruce Lee muscles. Yeah. Yeah, you posted it on, on the Neighbor Science page saying this is our brand. <laughs> Murray Buffchin, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so, so getting back to. Yeah, since we've never like had a real explanation of what a libertarian <laughs> municipalism is, I, I think the basic idea is like to. 
uh, create communities, not necessarily like on the city level, but um, you know, if you're in like a smaller sort of area, then it, it can be, but it could also be like on the, on the neighborhood level, uh, hence neighbor science. But um, yeah, just creating like local communities that are self-governing and the idea would be to eventually like sort of link them together in a in a movement and use that as a power to take down the state is that so yeah. one thing that i i want to say one thing i want to say about it is that i always kind of saw it as um as being sort of a uh what's the word i'm looking for like a like transcending or like rejecting or criticizing syndicalism okay um which focuses on the workplace and people as workers. Right. And oh, that's a good point, yeah, because... organizes them along that basis. Yeah, like Marx, Marxism is all about production. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, their there's yeah, form of organizing so, is going to come so, from production. Yeah, and so then municipalism is uh, organizing on the basis of community and, uh, and neighborhood and the city um, and such... Uh, and then and view and basically organizing people on the basis that they're people, uh, not just that they're workers, and organizing and organizing in every aspect of their life, not just well, in the um, workplace. Yeah, I've always um, I've always thought that it's a, a more inclusive ideology than something like syndicalism. Well, skimming this thing. Yeah. The only thing I worry about with municipalism is that it'll devolve into uh, homeowners associations, which are full of Nazis. <laughs> okay, actually, uh, on that point, right, I'm skimming so, this thing by Bookchin on municipalism here, and essentially... Okay. Is it called right, libertarian municipalism? Yeah, and essentially it sounds like it keeps, like, the confederational elements of syndicalism. It's just, he describes, like, this breaking down of a dichotomy between regular life and politics, where, like, politics is just socialization yeah. in general or something like that. So it does sound a lot mm-hmm. like, you know, taking the workerism out of syndicalism, but the HOA comment is definitely still out there on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, by um, having syndicalism as, as like a prim- uh, primary form of organization, it's kind of upholding the idea of the workplace like you'll never be able to abolish like this idea of work um and so like the idea that we could have a society where people just do what they want uh would kind of be out of bounds for that yeah yeah yeah. that's something that i that i really don't like about syndicalism much love to all my syndicalist friends (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah that's that's something that like really keeps me away from syndicalism. Yeah, like I'm I'm all for that being part of like an organizing like overall strategy. Like I don't think there's a yeah. reason to reject it outright, but as like a like if that's your entire ideology, it seems kind of limited <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. I, and I I kind of think I kind of think that's true of municipalism yeah. too. Um and that, and that I, um, I, th- I really think that, like, municipalism is part of a broader strategy, not just, like, 
the only strategy. Yeah, I think uh, the dual power concept creating. is like the like the key. Like it has to be a holistic idea of like taking power away from mm -hmm. the oppressors. Well, there's a lot of implications in this yeah. about like the morality of a community and whatnot, where he doesn't you know necessarily state how that would work, but that it must work and. I think that's definitely like a massive implication to the this has to be part of a greater system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've and I've discussed um, the libertarian municipalism concept with dozens of critics um, on social media um, over the last. So you argue with people online. It's a very online. good way of putting it, though. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and the one issue that they all bring up regardless um, is that finding consensus among um, a municipal population would be virtually impossible and that this is why representative democracy is more efficient. Um, we and my rebuttal... Consensus? Well, uh, 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 their, their, their point is almost always that uh, if you don't have a certain level of consensus then you're going to end up with um, pretty much all legislation and all uh, progress being stalled. And, and so my rebuttal to this is, is usually um, that if consensus is impossible, then the representatives um, that manage to do consensus are not actually representative. Um, and if the representatives can reach consensus, then the population they represent are equally likely to be able to reach consensus. Um, yeah, and then, and then also like, like they're just they're holding themselves to a completely different standard because if someone is a representative, then they like by their very nature are reducing the belief the the nuances of every single person's belief down to like what the specific thing they believe. So. Yep. Yeah, like their own personal. Platform. If they don't have to, like, represent a perfect consensus of their constituency, then like neither does libertarian municipalism. Yeah, well, and another thing is that like you don't need consensus. I mean, consensus is good when you can get yeah. it, but like requiring consensus for all decisions is bad. Actually, yeah. well, okay, <laughs> there, there's an issue in consensus with like volunteerism and polarization and whatnot because if a community cannot you know create a consensus on an idea say like land use or something like that right and i mean to use an extreme example you know those towns like in the on the border of like the netherlands and belgium or whatever the fuck where they have like those really weird borders it'd be kind of like that right where there should be a consensus in this town. Which country do we side in here? But there isn't a consensus. And if they don't reach a consensus, what are you? What are you going to do? Are you going to? You know, you have to decide which country do we side with here. And so they don't decide. And what happens when you don't decide is that people decide on an individual basis. They, you know, volunteer to be on a side. So it creates this polarization of this one group with a bunch of middle-of-the-way opinions is forced to create a decision and so people pick a side and it's polarized into two and in this example extreme groups that literally have borders between their houses and 
Well, post-scarcity anarchism solves that problem by get, getting rid of right. borders. Well, I mean, in this example, <laughs> obviously, like, the borders, you know, are more of, like, say, a metaphor <laughs> for something more, you know... Metaphors metaphors are bullshit. Right, We've but the point still stands <laughs> that, like, a community doesn't necessarily need consensus, but the issue with not having consensus is that you risk polarization, and sometimes that's not such a bad thing like oh this community wants their grass to be two inches and this community wants it to be 2.5 and you know obviously the solution is fuck grass it's terrible for the environment but you know in this instance (laughs) they can each choose like oh i side with this community that says grass should be this tall and it doesn't really lead to any you know negative effects in the community just like oh yeah his grass is taller than mine but it could also be very extreme like the treatment of other people like what is their idea of society mm-hmm. versus yours that they choose to be in? Yeah, and uh, so the the point of not necessarily wanting consensus in all in all decisions um, is that uh, one there's examples like the graph thing where consensus is not necessary and there's no reason to even like be voting on that. <laughs> consensus or not um but also that uh just the idea that you need every single community member's approval uh for decisions kind of uh reduces it ignores decisions the... to the lowest common denominator i guess that like the bare minimum that everyone can agree on is what's going to happen and in the end no one's going to really get what they want or yeah. or if like one person uh just is a is a nothing master who wants uh nothing to get done they can just like say no to every decision yeah which famously happened in occupy all the time (laughs) i think the issue is a fundamental perspective on it we always view problems based on some like uh what was it called like zero sum non-zero sum i guess yeah in this instance non it was Mm -hmm. like the somebody's losing and somebody's winning we always view problems from that perspective like you know which community should get more bread but we're talking post-scarcity society here where who cares everyone gets bread fuck it yeah another thing that's weird about about this like the consensus objection is that a lot of the people who bring this up also simultaneously bring up like not everyone cares enough to like get involved in decisions so it's like doesn't that kind of undermine the other point that like you'll never reach a consensus but there's a bunch of people who don't give a shit so like i don't know (laughs) no no i I, I agree with you and i think uh, from my perspective uh, we covered this uh, to a certain extent in the adhocracy episode um, where it's really it comes down to centrality Uh, if if an issue is specifically important to you you're you're going to get involved in one way or another um, yeah if if a te- if technical expertise is needed then that technical expertise is central to the issue um, people affected by the issue uh, the, their opinions are central people that are completely unaffected that are unaware of the problem that uh, uh, like the, the people who have nothing to do with an issue we don't need their fucking opinion <laughs> it's just like 
<laughs> Why? I demand. I demand that my opinion on all computer decisions be heard. <laughs> actually, fun fact. Okay, fine. Help me decide which color mine should be. <laughs> Concrete. Yeah, I think one one criticism that actually works in our favor is that a lot of What's people will color? just want to stay home and play video games. Oh, I love so, like, that one. Yeah, just just don't just just do that. Like, don't worry about what everyone else is doing then. <laughs> no, the, it, Okay, so this this th this conversation has reminded me of um, a town in Spain called Hun, um, spelled J U N, um, and they've been using no Hun. Yeah, Hun. Like the Halo Reach character. I I have no idea. I don't play video games. Um, never played. Never played Halo. <laughs> I don't even know Shout what Halo is. Shout out to the is, gamer so audience here along. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, we stand so, with gamers. Remember, this is a jock-only so podcast. We do not play video games yeah, because that's standing. for nerds. Cool. Except for Madden. We play we real stand, world we stand, <laughs> we stand with gamers, though. Critical solidarity <laughs> with the gamers. Yeah. Yeah, so Hoon? Okay, so... Uh, um, since 2011, the town of Hoon, which is only, they've only got like three and a half thousand people. It's not a massive um, New York-sized city or anything. Um, the townspeople there have all been encouraged to join Twitter and have their Twitter accounts verified at the local town hall. And they, they all very collectively use Twitter to engage with government. And... Um, I do too. I uh, reply to uh, President Trump all the time. Yeah, he hashtag, never hashtag responds to me. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, responds to me. They deal with they deal with everything from a streetlight being out to um, dealing with uh, major legislation changes. Um, and, and it all functions on this idea of mutual visibility. Um, would some of them call it mutual transparency? The, the translation goes a bit wonky. Um, and, and they're doing this on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, they've been running the the program on Twitter. So technically speaking, so it isn't. <laughs> it it isn't libertarian municipalism in the way that Bookchin describes it. Technically. But it's revisionism. Um, it's it's remarkably close. Sounds like the feature in City Skylines I'd, where I'd, you can see everything your citizens are tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so our our ideology would be taking that and then uh, hooking it up to a bunch of robots, so that whenever you see. Um, you know, a pothole, even though roads aren't going to exist because cars are uh, murder machines. But to use that as an example, if you see a pothole, then you, you tweet at a robot, and then it comes and fixes it for you. So oh, and also the robot's gay. hole where they keep the... <laughs> is, is, a, is a pothole a hole where they keep pot? <laughs> it's like a yeah. tavern Well, hole. we don't want to fix those kinds. <laughs> oh, a pothole's like a tavern, but you just smoke weed. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay, so I've added a link to the Hoon article, um, which was written back in 2015 on Huffington Post. Um, I've added that to the show notes. 
which I'm not even sure we're going to put up because these are terrible show notes. <laughs> <laughs> They're wonderful. This is why I'm, I'm going to put fails. them up for sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, let's okay, let's talk yeah. about social so, ecology. How is that different like regular than regular sociology? Of an extrovert? <laughs> uh, it has <laughs> one, two, three, completely different. Four extra vowels. And it's four extra letters. I just called letters vowels. <laughs> As a Midwesterner, vowels scare me because I have to pronounce them longer. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyone, anyone have any anything interesting to say about social ecology, or should I just uh, do the uh, extremely basic definition of it? Do that. Ah, shit. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna read the. I was gonna read the like definition of social ecology that was in the like sidebar of the communalist subreddit. Sounds good. Literally, uh, don't do that. Apparently, it, apparently it's <laughs> apparently it's gone Thank now. God. So I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> How are there even uh, leftists on Reddit? <laughs> Isn't it just like are the Donald everywhere now? <laughs> they're like little different communities that? that while separate are interconnected like some sort of and hear me out social ecology <laughs> <laughs> okay so confirmed social ecology does not work social ecology is reddit <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the funniest thing um, I, I, I know next to nothing about reddit um I know Ryan You're better off that way. For quite a while, <laughs> um, and and I, I I tried I like registered and and I tried to read up and follow and I, I just lost. The, the interface is extremely but bad. In the last, so. yeah, in the last week something really interesting has happened on Reddit. There's um, there's a subreddit called um, Thanos was right. Um, <laughs> and and I'll put out bad. a spoiler alert. Just in case I, I let anything slip, apparently people still haven't seen um, Avengers. It sucks. Don't watch it. Um, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's the subreddit where like 250,000 uh, people are are on that. 250,000 dorks. And they put it. Yeah, they they they, they put it to a vote to create an algorithm that will randomly delete half the subreddit's users <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and it got the the the, the vote got 150,000 yeses and it has now been approved by reddit and at some point in the next month um, <laughs> half 125,000 accounts will be deleted I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and, and say I, that I uh, the people that get deleted are not going to like that, and they're going to be upset with the outcome and uh, demand that something more fair <laughs> yeah, happen. <I> <laughs> okay. As long as we're on the side note about Infinity War, the thing is, right? Killmonger is who tankies think they are, but Thanos is how they <laughs> act. <laughs> 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 yes. So, so I'm just gonna say, say Infinity War was good, not because of any content of the film, but because when you get to the end of it, you you just see all these nerds around you in the theater getting really angry and disappointed, <laughs> and it's really funny. I went to go watch Ant Man and the Wasp today, um, and I went for an early morning show with my wife, 
and it was it was great it was like the movie was fun but it was really great because we were literally the only two people in the cinema because we went for a, a, a half past 11 um, matinee and apparently yes no one else in the whole of bahrain was interested in going to watch the movie this morning right so i have a i have another question relating back to infinity war why didn't ant-man just crawl up thanos's butt and then get big because <laughs> he was under house he's arrest. probably homophobic spider-man died for not being toby mcguire <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Toby Maguire can go um, suck an egg. But he's not <laughs> dead, though. That's the thing. I really don't. <laughs> so he can. You know who is dead? You know who is dead? Lil Peep. Rip Lil Peep. Rip Lil Peep. <laughs> on that note uh just a basic definition of social ecology uh it's the idea that um that ecological problems uh have their roots in social problems and by solving the social problems we will make the most headway or you know we will completely solve the ecological problems i I think at this point it's far too late (laughs) in terms of climate change to say that by solving social problems, we will solve the problem of climate change because we have a lot of uh, uh, repairs to do, uh, to put it lightly. <laughs> but I think um, the, the, the very act of fixing the social problems enables us to, to address the ecological problems. Um, it doesn't necessarily yes. mean that we will solve the ecological problems, yeah. but it puts us in a position where we are then able to. And I yeah, think Mary, Mary Bookchin has a thing on that. Um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I have it as, as a header image on a thing. Um, he says, an anarchist society, far from being a remote ideal, is a precondition for the practice of ecological principles. Um, yeah. That's basically exactly what you just said. Um, but He's in, just a lot Danny more Bookchin's eloquent words. and wordy <laughs> than I am. Yeah. Uh, he just he just uh, speaks in big words, and we speak to the masses. Exactly. Um, I don't use any words over four syllables. Never. I don't use any words over like two syllables. Yeah. To to quote um, Neo Yokio, uh, "Fancy words won't hurt me, schmuck." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like. That. Yeah. I can I can I can expand on social ecology a bit more if you sure. want. Sure. I I would love that. Yeah. So, of uh, uh, kind of something central to it is the idea of first nature and second nature. Um, first nature being uh, what you know we call the natural world around us and uh, and such. Uh, you know, uh, rocks, trees, bugs. Uh, Bunch of other birds. stuff. I don't know. That kind of, Does it count mushrooms? Kind of um, and mushrooms count as first. Mushrooms nature. are zeroth nature. Um, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and weed is four twentieth um, nature. nature. <laughs> weed is four twentieth nature. Uh, uh, but second nature is uh, human society and social organizations, um, which emerges out of first nature. And uh, through, like through the process of natural evolution, humanity develops um, our intelligence and shit, and we 
and uh, so we fuck what word what word was I saying? Uh, Something about um, second nature. But we, the, yeah, this second nature, the social nature, um, which undergoes its own sort sort of process of evolution. Um, uh, uh, yeah, and that process is a lot faster, right? First nature because. It's uh, driven more by conscious thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and so and then he he refers to humanity as nature potentially rendered self-conscious, mm. um, and that uh, and emphasis on potentially rendered self-conscious there, and that we we have yet to realize the conscious that consciousness, and we have to uh, do some shit and like realize that we're do some acid and nature some. Yeah, and then realize we're all connected, man. Yeah. <laughs> are you? Yeah, ego, ego, death, or something like that. Are you that. aware of this cool thing called technogayanism? I've heard the word before, <laughs> no. but um, that's that too sounds, many syllables for me. So terrifying. essentially, it's the concept. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, it's techno and then gayanism, right? So basically, it's saying that human technology should be developed in such a way that rather than you know hurt ecology and the environment but we should be developing technology to fix and stabilize the earth and its ecologies wow i can't believe you just i can't believe you just summarized book chin in like one sentence <laughs> yeah it's called not reading lame ass dead people and using real words like techno <laughs> <laughs> fuck words like libertarian and social stop and rehabilitating ecology. words those are fake words <laughs> Look, I'll rehabilitate as many words as I want. I the thing that pisses me stuff. off is that there's a specific subset of technogynism, which is the one I lean towards because I'm, you know, a metaphysical asshole. But essentially, it's the subset that says the only reason that we should be doing this is because it perpetuates humanity's existence because we benefit from a stable earth. Which I I deviate from most people that I've introduced to technogynism there because they all you know do the whole eco-socialism thing of oh I like nature rather than you know I have a I'm invested in the idea of nature itself kind of thing, which is also selfish checkmate commies yeah get wrecked but the issue with it is that it's, <laughs> the name coined for it because it's not that very popular of an idea like only one person is actually referred to it by a name is prometheanism which is also a name for some like anti-communist bullshit from like the 80s so it's not not a good look <laughs> you know what else isn't a good look the hammer and sickle and a no, portrait of stalin so you know you're just already doing better than most of the left <laughs> Oh shit! Gotta yeah. change my avatar real quick. <laughs> I realized uh, yesterday I, I I was uh, looking for the on the last day of this uh, Steam sale, and I looked at my avatar, and it was a picture of Obama with like a "You Mad" caption. I was like, "God damn! I must have set this in like 2009." <laughs> <laughs> my pictures. Yeah, I was a cool kid back mean. then. We can my pictures tell, are Ryan. recent. We meme, can though. totally tell. <laughs> my pictures are soft. Many um, no old memes on my. <laughs> as as expected. <laughs> okay, so um, in in preparation for this episode, uh, you prepped Chloe for this episode. Asked for, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Chloe asked for um, 10 minutes very specifically um, to... Oh, for y'all to pronounce to Pacific Northwest place names? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm it? talking about the that's, 10 minutes that's what I requested for an interview um, specifically with Ryan. Oh, right, that. Yes. All right, Ryan, we're going to talk about Civ. Yeah, so civilization is basically statism. Oh, um, <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> Where are you getting this from? That's my it's only an, question. It's an axiom. I'm timing this. Yeah. All right, we're starting right now. I have the clock. Um, so, Ryan, civilization. Uh where, wh- where are you getting this idea that, that it's synonymous with state society? I'm open to the idea. I just want to know what your source is. I don't have a source. It's just like after reading Against have... the Grain by James Scott and then mm-hmm. um, integrating that with um, you know other stuff that I've read like uh, Debt and mm-hmm. just the idea, like the, the weird conception that I have of, of a state. Like I just see the history of civilization as being inseparable from the history of states and like the parts of society or the the parts of the world in like pre-modern history that would be considered civilized were exactly like where the, there was the presence of a state. And so like you can come up with some like prescriptive, idea of what civilization is but i think if we go by a like a descriptive definition of or or just uh, like perception of of civilization um you know anywhere that's that what we would generally agree as being civilization exists it's always a state whether a city state or a nation state so all right so then then you say you say that uh that cities are a, are a subset of the state or something like that, um, and uh, then we we like when we were talking about this before, uh, you agreed that like a city a city was like a permanent sedentary human settlement or something yeah. like that. Um, is that is that a good definition? Would no would you, like would you say that would you would you say that we can't have uh, like permanent human settlement? uh without a state um say that we can no i i would not say that but i i think um a city like implies some sort of like like a particular like size and density because Mm -hmm. you know towns are also permanent human settlements but most people would consider them something separate from a city um okay so So i'm gonna have to ask you so basically right the concept of a city is essentially derived from regions right so you'd have a group of small towns and one of them has to be bigger because not all of them can have the same stuff and out of a group of those bigger towns there's bigger cities and so on so if you know if a city embodies such a concept is it the system there or is it you know, is it the means or the end there? Um, Personally, I, I don't understand. That. Yeah, I don't okay. really understand it so either. Essentially, okay. So the so basic I idea... I don't, I don't blame you for not understanding. Is, 
Just remember that I'm really stupid, and you have to explain it. Okay, so really the way that thoroughly. human settlements <laughs> eventually—I mean, you know—older settlements don't really follow this model because you know they hadn't quite created this model. But if you take an open plane, just imagine open plane, humans are settling it. The way they form, at least you know, in recent history, not exactly like you know 1950s after, but like up until the 1950s, because after that it's all just you know around highways but chaos right but (laughs) before that so essentially you know you'd have say like farmland or forest or whatever so a group of people would need a central point and that would become your town right and in europe you know they live in the town and then farm out there but in america it's different or whatever but the point is, is that those towns are their local town but the town can't have everything you could ever need it only has like your daily necessities like food and whatnot and so okay a group of towns then would all have a collective population and so they would need a place to put their more specialized resources you know say like your weekly goods so that would be a larger town and a group of larger towns would then need even more specialized things say monthly goods or quarterly even and so cities eventually form from that concept of somewhere along that hierarchy there's going to be a place that is you know so greatly specialized that significant portions of the population would rather remain there than you know be somewhere trickled down in the system and, you know, there's this whole thing about, like, urbanization in the 20th century and whatnot. But that aside, the core concept is based on this idea that you need locations for specialized resources. So, you know, in the context of, you know, states and post-scarcity and whatnot, would you be against the very idea of a city as, you know, a state structure or as you know this hierarchy that develops it of specialization of resources by geography yeah i've thought about something similar to that um quite a bit i think what you're forgetting i think what you're forgetting is the potential for uh, amazon.com warehouses (laughs) everywhere (laughs) everything you could ever need shipped right to you uh thank you amazon um Yeah, I've thought about this this one idea a lot, um, but I have never really brought it up to discuss it with anyone because it it kind of scares me a little bit, which is that um, if you have these, like, stockpiles of resources, it'll become essentially impossible to prevent the formation of states because there's always the potential for someone to physically take it over and use that as leverage to force other people um to their whims so you know i'm not ag- i'm not against the the idea of having like um some sort of federation of towns that form like a you know a larger unit and share resources and stuff like that but i also think that there's the possibility that like you just can't have um you know stockpiles of resources like that um in any like centralized way and avoid the formation of states or like at least the attempt uh by groups of people to form states unless there's some like 
um, you know, radical social transformation where people just don't desire that, which I don't know if that's possible. Um, or if there's like, you know, some black army that goes around and, you know, shoots back at people that try to take over the stockpiled resources. Um, so I, I don't know. Is that that's not right. in itself a state? Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> actually, I don't think, a, I don't think a military is necessarily a state. But a, a military that patrols the patrols the surplus and prevents people from taking, like, taking it or whatever, from taking it over. Idea. Yeah, I think there's a difference. Like, um, I mean, you know, that might not be possible either. I mean, like, I mean, who's to say what's like, what's taking it and what's taking it over? Um, taking it would be using it, and taking it over and would I, be, um, you know controlling the distribution of it in order in order to force other people to um carry out right, something isn't that you that want what that what that said 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 army in that situation is doing um no i think i think there's a distinction because they're trying to well yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> I mean, that's a complicated question that I don't really have an answer to myself, and it's kind of a can of worms that I don't really want to discuss right now. Right, um, to close the can. But, Which works. I have a thing to say. Um, and that well, you I better hurry up. Your ten minutes are up. Get fucked. Uh, no, Just keep not. going. They're going to be up in exact. They're going to be up in exactly one minute. But also, like I said, I, we we agreed that I, it, it was my ten minutes, and there was a lot of talking from. No, we didn't agree. You just said that. <laughs> I, well, I, I said it. You made an axiomatic assumption thing. that turned out um, to be incorrect <laughs> through empirical evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, I think that um, I think that that like that issue of uh, like having uh, like centralized stores of goods uh, is addressed um, by uh, by Murray Bookchin in uh, in his essay towards the liberatory technology, where he talks about uh, basically decentralizing product productive technologies and stuff like that basically the miniaturization of technology of productive technology allowing for people to uh produce that shit on themselves when they need it um or just at smaller levels um and uh and also uh this might be like a forbidden name to mention or something but uh kevin carson (laughs) as well uh uh in his book which i which i haven't finished so i can't say too much about it but his book the homebrew industrial revolution where he he talks about uh like technology uh like like basically miniaturized productive technologies allowing for like a decentralization of production um to the to the local or even like personal level um yeah yeah well while we're on this topic which we are um i just wanted to and I just wanted to interject by saying that, um, and, and I'm going to focus specifically on the U.S. here. Um, in the U.S., an incorporated... Yeah, you don't want to talk yeah, about the U.S. that place, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the U.S., an incorporated city is a legally defined government entity. 
It has powers that are delegated by the state and county, and the local laws and regulations and policies are created and approved by legislators, government officials of the city and their representatives. Um, so, uh, uh, like, you can get a village, a community, or a neighborhood, but those are unincorporated communities that don't technically mm -hmm. have governmental powers. So, in the strictest sense of the word, a city is a state entity. Well, uh, right, villages and towns and whatnot can also be incorporated as delegated state entities. They can, that they can, but most of them are unincorporated. And most of the time, your villages, towns, neighborhoods, um, uh, 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 your, your unincorporated communities they get most of their government services provided by county governments. So, yeah, like, uh, uh, I'm looking at the original question and saying uh, a city is almost definitely, um, uh, an, a, it's a state entity. Does it have Fair to enough. be that uh, way? Not necessarily. Under yeah, in no, a post-scarcity um, anarchist world, could we have cities? Definitely, and they need well, not I mean, be. I'm statist. just wondering. I'm just wondering. Like, could we have cities? I mean, could we have the things right now that we call cities? Uh, in a lot of ways, probably. Um, I mean, they they're pretty. Are like modern cities are kind of fucked, just like the way that they're built around cars. Um, but you know, yeah. Like, it, I don't know if I don't know if like have, say New York City could ever be like an anarchist community because so much of it is centralized and well, I don't know, just like geared around control by, you know, the, the state basically. Um, well, and, and to a certain degree it is, is, is it, it's like its own state because it's, it's sort of like, um, its influence reaches far outside of its own borders where, you know, a significant portion of not only U S but global activity is geared towards, um, fulfilling the whims of, of New York city and, uh, you know, whoever controls it basically. Yeah. So, but my, 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 my point here, I guess, is that, um, if we, if we're defining city as, or if we're def if we're defining city as being a state or a subset of the state, then then no, under post scarcity anarchism, we could not have cities. Um, we, the things that we now call cities would probably still exist in one form or another, um, but they wouldn't be cities. Um, well, the but if we want to define cities some other way, then we could have cities under post-scarcity anarchism. The, the uh, modern notion of a city is more of an economic region with a centralized urban area than it is like that urban area itself. It's a, a center of economy that influences a very large region that you normally wouldn't consider that city, but, you know, the farthest anyone would commute is often, you know, at the edges of that and, you know it's where you go when you have to do you know business and shit 
Yeah, I guess the city, I think, uh, 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 the uh, actual boundary of a city is like I think a th- where people word. commute from. <laughs> I think there's a better word that already um, fits that description. That's a metropolis. Yeah, I was just um, thinking that. That sounds like yeah, too many syllables. Yeah, it's, when you're no, metropolis is a separate when you're dealing, is the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking, for instance, my hometown of, of Durban in South Africa. Um, there's the CBD uh, part of oh, I love the CBD. city that is actually, yeah, it, it, it's actually um, in comparison with other cities in South Africa, it's very small. But the greater metropolitan area of Durban um, is about 20 to 40 kilometers in all directions except into the ocean. So, uh, I mean, it, it ends up forming a much broader area, an area that's just about the same size as the island of Bahrain. And then I'm looking here in Bahrain where um, different residential uh, areas are... The, the, the more compacted they are, the locals actually think of the area where I live and the area that is considered the capital. Um, I mean, they're literally, I can see the capital um, district from where I am. But as far as Bahrainis are concerned, that's a city. The area that I live in is another city. The area next to us is another city. And, and so the, the concept of a city, as, as it's already been defined as an, in, an, an incorporated government entity, I don't think that necessarily needs to hold true. I think that the, the, the concept is quite malleable. Yeah, there's also sort of the, the division of really large cities into, like, neighborhoods or wards. And, mm-hmm. like like the five neighborhoods in new york are like themselves the size of you know like most cities so i i guess new york yeah i guess it a lot of it depends on how things are divided up and how people like how where people identify as being um from or living i don't know where i'm going with this at all (laughs) i mean i think basically I think basically the 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 summary is that uh, language is a fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the words don't mean anything. Um, but I guess I, to kind of close out the the city's civilization discussion, I, I'm sympathetic to your view. I just want to know like uh, like where it's coming from. I guess because like I, it, you know, I love picking words that people that are forbidden or whatever and just latching onto them. Yeah. It's uh, basically just like so. uh, the way I interpret words is extremely, extremely descriptive. So I try to use them as much as possible. Like the way that people generally understand them. And so by association, what people understand as civilization is exactly like it's a perfect overlap with what people understand as states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of like I get I do the same thing with uh, with the word work. Yeah, uh, and that and that I like when I when I like I I try to like get my definition of work uh, from the way it's used and like unless um, unless I'm arguing when I'm arguing against work, uh, people tend to interpret it as 
doing literally anything ever. <laughs> um, at which at which point at which point it's ridiculous and like there's like why would you define it that way? Um, but in most other situations, I feel like it's all it's usually defined as like activity done for external reasons. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or for uh, motivation outside of yourself, um, which which is why when whenever like. Uh, someone does something that they actually enjoy or that they want to do or they would do regardless of external motivation someone always says oh that's not real work um right yeah which we should abolish because we should have no obligations (laughs) eventually yeah um now, now i think we move on to the more important segment and that's you guys trying to pronounce pacific northwest place names (laughs) Okay. I don't even know why that's hard. <laughs> why is it hard? It's hard because you can't tell which ones are readings of native names and which ones are butcherings of native names and which ones are named after settlers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I I actually I left out most of the of the settler ones cuz those are really easy. All right, so uh I'll start with, with the, the capitals then. Um the capital of Washington is uh Seattle. Um That's not the capital. <laughs> the capital of Oregon. I, I'm not even sure what the that is. Of Wa- uh, the capital of Washington is actually oh, Olympia. Salem. The capital of it's Washington. Olympia. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, well, Olympia. in in practical terms, it's it's Seattle. Um I have And a, yeah, I have a, Olympia I have sounds a list right of to place. me. Oh, yeah, there yeah. we go. There we go. I've got All right. it. I've got it. Um okay, so the first one so. is sandwich. Um, the second one is uh, enum claw it's like like a a, enumerable right yeah with a claw on it my favorite data type um Um. (laughs) uh, the third one is uh, pull up like like the thing you do as exercise right then uh, sequin yeah Uh, like the next one is Uh, obviously that's that's No, no, wait. I want to go back to that other one. That's obviously sequium um, in the Latin tradition. What does that mean in Latin? It's a segue. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, okay, so this one I know. It's, it's Spokane. In like the... Right? Spokane? What? Like the Star Trek Sp- character? Spokane. <laughs> um, and then there's... Uh, Milk toe. Cheetah? What? What's that? <laughs> Milk toe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just the, that's just the weirdest one ever. Um, and then there's anarchy. Right. Um, yep. That one was correct, actually. You accidentally got that one. Like, Stupid. The head there. Um. The next one is snow bunny. Um. <laughs> and then yakuza. And then um. Kitty tits. I think it's kitty titties. <laughs> uh, man, I'm laughing so hard because that's exactly what I was about to say. I love the kitty titties. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the, uh, uh, I, I guess so we nailed that. Correct. Yeah. What, what's yeah. our score? Yeah. And you thought this was going to be hard. Uh, ten your, out score of ten. Was, your score is almost, almost one out of however many there are. <laughs> Which one did I get right? Spokane? Uh, Spokane? I mean, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Spokane? Spaghetti? Spokane. 
I do want spaghetti now that I've said that. Um, you want so, some spaghetti? <laughs> on that note, I think we can uh, we should start closing it out so that um, I can go get some spaghetti. I always thought podcasts died when all the hosts I'm... died. <laughs> <laughs> we keep this going until we're dead. <laughs> well, I'm going to die if I don't get any damn yeah. spaghetti. I'm going to die because I've been up since 6 a.m. and it's already quarter to 1 in the morning. And it's 2.43, you dumbass. my bedtime. <laughs> Uh, so Peter, since uh, since uh, you're the most eager to go, uh, how about you close us out? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so first of all, I wanted to say thanks to uh, Chloe and Truebot for joining us for this episode. Um, yeah, thanks, y'all. The block party was quite fun, I think. No, thank you. We're going to do this again, so hopefully we'll have uh, both of you and some other folks on, and uh, we'll have even more network issues. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then... um, God, now I've forgotten all our plugs. Um, Yeah, yeah, facebook.com slash neighborscience, twitter.com slash neighborscience, patreon.com slash neighborscience, Instagram at neighborscience. I am at handle of rye, Peter is at bookcheekite. Uh, Trev is at Truebot, T-R-E-W-B-O-T, and Chloe is at ShitPostScarcity, S-H-T-P-O-S-T-S-C-A-R-C-I-T-Y. Damn, I'm good. (laughs) Don't forget to check out uh, Postscarcity Anarchism Magazine. Postscarcity Magazine. uh, You can find... Is it not? I feel Uh, like I should know that you you said your Twitter wrong. Who's Twitter wrong? Mine or his? You're, no, you said you're, t- you're the, the podcast Twitter wrong. Oh, yeah, Neighbor Pod. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you said <laughs> it's just Neighbor Science. Yes. Yeah, Twitter yeah, uh, uh, has I, one f- allows one fewer characters than we need to have it as Neighbor Science. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah Twitter.com slash Neighbor Pod and postscarcitymagazine.com. There's no anarchism in there. Thanks, everyone. Bye.